Welcome to Ancient Answers, the podcast where we discuss modern issues by looking to the wisdom of ancient civilizations that came before us. My name is Shane. I'm Gordon. And today we are going to have another Q&A episode, or as we like to call it, Quote and Answer, where we take four uh, quotes from various historians and dissect them under a modern lens. That's right. We kind of reflect on whether these uh, expressions have any merit to our world today. Mm-hmm. Or if they were completely out to lunch. That's right. We, we haven't actually found too many that were out of lunch. I feel like we could, we purposely ignore those, but it would be fun to bring one in that we think has no bearing. I mean, whatsoever. there's some sexism in the sense that they keep saying man. Yes, and they that's don't true. say men and women or you know people and stuff yeah. like that. But now, yeah, yeah. all right. What do you what do you got to start us off? With? Well, the first one I picked is from Seneca, okay. a Roman historian, yeah. and it's luck is what happens when. Preparation. Preparation meets opportunity. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Now, that is, yes, I absolutely believe that that is, that is very relevant today. And, um, you know, it always pays to be prepared, right? It's, it's always good to be organized, to have your ducks in a row. But sometimes the, the biggest factor in any kind of venture, be it like personal life or business or, or whatever you choose... Sometimes you just need to be ready to take the opportunity when it arises. Well, that's true. There are some things that can randomly happen that change a person's direction or life. Yeah. I actually see this quote as a little different. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I see that as you know, luck or the excuse of luck mm-hmm. is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. I see that more from a third person point of view is that we often say, well, that person was just plain lucky. Uh, okay. Yeah. Not giving credit or realization that, in fact, they were someone who was prepared that when something happened, an opportunity mm-hmm. came up, they were able to take advantage of it yeah. because they were prepared. Okay, yeah. And so this this quote here goes two ways. It goes your way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it goes the way I present it in the sense that how do you want to interpret the origins of the luck? Yeah. Well, and, and that, actually, when you put it that way, that r- makes me think of when I was at college because I did I, I did four years at university where I got my undergraduate in classical history, but then a few years ago I went to a trades college. So very different dynamics, very different uh, types of people generally who attend, yeah, be- uh, very different learning environments. Now, I had the benefit of being older than my classmates. I had the benefit of already understanding how I learned. Um, so... I, I had a reputation as being very, very intelligent. Um, I, and it, you know, I got teased a bit. My classmates joked around. It was all in good fun. But they did talk about how, how smart I was. But I was really, really appreciative of the fact that they never took away from the hard work I put into it as well. Where they would joke around about me being smart. But then they would go, but then again, you know, you stay after class for an hour or two and you read your textbook yeah, and you the, do your homework you're, you're, and you study and you so your smarts came from hard work and that and that's the thing right and and to me that's sort of my my jumping point from what you were saying where yeah luck ha- luck might happen it might be a factor but if you're unprepared well then it doesn't matter how it doesn't lucky make a difference yeah. yeah it's actually the opposite of that where the negative reinforces the negative yeah. if you're not prepared a lucky opportunity may not make a difference. Oh, yeah. If, if you're unprepared and there's a lucky opportunity that comes your way, maybe you just have to watch it as it flies by. Yeah. Right? That's like, so, yeah, I, I, think that that's, I think that's a very interesting quote because without the proper preparation, without the proper planning, um, without the proper organization, you know, missed opportunities could result even in the most fortuitous circumstances. I mean, 
this what I'm going to say next may <laughs> maybe a little controversial, but it's okay. I always love when you say those sentences. <laughs> we we do have societies that put an, a a lot of emphasis on luck, mm-hmm. on lucky charms, on lucky traditions, on lucky talisman, on okay, lucky, yeah. and that somehow that is what's going to compensate for not having what they want. Uh, I have great respect for the Asian cultures, particularly in China, but they have an enormously complex cultural thing about luck and and superstitions and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. as if that is the dominant mechanism that creates success. Yeah. It's just the, the fortune or the... Uh, you know the, the spirits or the mother nature or the gods in western culture they shine a, a, a lucky light on those who they pick and that's who yeah. are successful we in the west in a modern day and I believe now in the east uh, and actually anywhere in the world I think there's more of the consensus that okay success comes from work mm-hmm. you got to be prepared that if an opportunity comes by a way you can grab it yes there's always going to be a bell curve of extremes yeah. where some people there just happen to be element. lucky. Yeah, there will always be an element of chance. I but. mean, sometimes you get somebody who's born into wealth mm-hmm. and will be very irresponsible and maybe even very self-centered uh, because they felt that they were entitled to it by some kind of birthright. And we had that problem through all of history when it came yeah. to any kind of ruling family who felt that the gods had touched upon them. That was kind of their luck. Yeah. that they were chosen to be the rulers when it was just birth. Yeah. Well, and, and to go off of the idea of uh, the, the lucky charms and the superstition and what have you, um, as soon as you mentioned that, I actually thought of modern sports because there's a lot of superstition in terms of oh, sports right. and athletics where um, a, lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of individuals have their rituals that they go through at the beginning of every competition. And so competition. did ancient teams in ancient it's Rome. It's the same deal. We know that. I, I, I see in the UFC there are some fighters who, like George St. Pierre, he always bowed before he walked into the octagon. Now, that comes from his karate background, respect to the dojo, you would bow before you go in. But some fighters would make a point of touching the two sides of the cage before they walk in. Some, uh, like goaltenders in hockey... If a, if a puck bounces off a post, you'll see them tap the posts with their stick afterwards as sort of a, a thank you, you or know, a, a I, little ritual. That's right. That's good insight. There's a lot of things like that in sports. <laughs> but we are also aware from ancient writings that there is all sorts of these oh, yeah. talisman type of activities and superstitions. I don't want to be fair. The word superstition tends to have a negative phrase, but people who believe that if you could repeat a lucky act uh, action, yeah. it would convey that kind of thing on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just yeah, just sort of a, a different different perspective on that. Well, Seneca, I, I'm really sorry to realize that it didn't really work for you because Nero had you executed. <laughs> was, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but then we named a school after him. So. There you go. It's all good. <laughs> oh yeah, the college in Toronto. Uh, all right. So the first quote I have is from Lao Tzu. Uh, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. That's very East. That's a very Eastern thought, isn't right. that wonderful? You're right. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Is what I am? Is it the burdens? Is it your imperfections? Is it your faults and errors? And let them go. Does that allow you to become the person you can become? I, I honestly, when I first read this, uh, I thought of it even simpler as that. I thought of it as just your own perception. If you have this image of yourself, if you have this perception of the kind of person that you are, 
you've sort of put yourself into a corner. You you've put yourself into you've made yourself into a certain shape. If you can let go of that idea, uh, let go of the image of yourself that you have, then it leaves you free to be anything you want to be. That was that was how I thought of it when I first read that. That's so tau. <laughs> I'm not terribly familiar with the Asian historians and philosophers, which is one of the reasons why I've been I, drawn to them lately. On I have books. found it to be a wonderful journey. I have just started. I mean, I, I almost think sometimes, gee, I wish I'd known these guys or these thoughts, these thinkers uh, earlier in my life. I find them rich. Uh, in terms of, but I noticed you've you've gravitated to Lao Tzu, yeah, a couple, a couple of times, times yeah. because uh, in fact we we do find him to be quite a font of of thought because it's it's there's an Eastern perspective to a lot of these these thoughts and the idea that life the idea of being devoid of the complications that burden us mm-hmm. and our thoughts. Well, it's got it's got a lot to do with in my from what I've read, uh, a lot of these Eastern philosophies and these quotes have a lot to do with with yourself and and finding inner peace and inner strength or at least recognizing what makes you you. So I think one of the reasons why I'm drawn to this is I mentioned in our in a previous episode of Q and A that uh, I try to be very honest with myself and and recognize the kind of person I am. So in a way. I, I do the opposite of what Lao Tzu is saying, where you know when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. I'm doing the opposite, where I'm tr- I try very hard to recognize what I am. But I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm personally drawn to a lot of these these quotes from from Eastern philosophers. Yeah, because in the West we have this idea that you should learn who you are, mm-hmm. and that helps give you insight on that stuff. Where this Lao Tzu is kind of saying let go of what you think you are yeah. and then you'll discover who you are yeah uh, it doesn't leave any blueprint or, or you know emotional map mm-hmm. on that one I guess it'll be up to our listeners to decide on how they wish to yeah, approach it because I see there are two different ways to approach I, yeah it. I was going to say it's sort of two different trains of thought from uh, from that when you look at it that way so yeah I, I quite like that one every time I there are so many times where I read one of these quotes or we talk about them and I'm like man I want that on a t-shirt or on a poster or something <laughs> well the next one is from Demoscles a Greek philosopher and a writer mm-hmm. small opportunities are often the beginnings of great enterprises now mm. I have one word for that okay in the terms of our modern context alright Amazon <laughs> I, okay. I yep. heard an interview not more than two weeks ago from a gentleman who was actually one of the first ten people hired by Jeff Bezos when it was just a one-floor operation in uh, where was I guess in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and uh, he told me he figured he was employee number eight or nine. He stayed there for three years, and then he had a. It was just a guy being interviewed on another podcast. And then when he had a bit of a financial crisis, he went to Jeff Bezos and he bailed out his shares. He took oh, his shares. No. Oh, he did okay. He did a couple of million. Oh, okay. That's at the time. <laughs> but he had commented that had he kept his shares, yeah. he'd be worth somewhere around $14 billion <laughs> today. So, anyway, small opportunities. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's address that. Great enterprises. Um, yeah. How many times in history, in fact, 
if I was to write a history book, one of the topics I thought would be to go back in time and find very small events that happened that set off a chain reaction that led to something spectacular. I've uh, I've actually read some articles like that years ago where um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of the website Cracked or the magazine oh, Cracked. Yeah, They've yeah, got yeah, some yeah. interesting stuff there and their sources are pretty solid. I followed enough of them to and, and che- checked enough sources to see that they're pretty good. Uh, and they have some interesting articles like that where it's these like chain reactions throughout history. There's a video I saw online the other day of uh, the Wayne Gretzky trade in the NHL and how its ramifications are still being felt to this day, you know, 30 years after the fact. Uh, when, we're we're uh, still crying. 40 years after he left Edmonton, sorry. We're still uh, crying. Yeah. And and just, you know, well, because he got traded, well, then that resulted in these trades. Yeah. And further down the... So it's, it's this idea that... It goes back to the idea, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, right? Or, you know, look at the pyramids of Giza. There are these incredible monuments that each one would have started with a single stone. Well, so. that would go even in terms of a scientific discovery. Yeah, that's true. Um, something that, uh, you know, go back to an ancient days where there was some kind of, you know, new tool, uh, the smelting of new metals, mm-hmm. such as figuring out how to get your bellows hotter so you could work with iron yeah uh, and and then th- that small innovation would lead to a global transformation yeah or if if you look at uh, like look at the invention of the microscope right like that while while certainly a significant event is kind of insignificant when you compare it to the creation of the electron microscope or the discovery of the atom or the discovery of cell and yet, biology and yet it opened up biological medicine it all it all traced its roots back to that first you know well obviously there would be more firsts than the microscope but if we choose that as our starting point okay well someone created this microscope and then said well what if we can see even smaller or okay now that we can see these things where is that going to and take that's us? the challenge though is that a small opportunity comes by how does anybody know in the, where the future is going to take them? We don't know. We can look back. Yeah. That's 2020. Yeah, exactly. But how, I mean, how many things in, the, in human history, especially when you go back far enough and you think, well, we all go, that was a very important event. Yeah. Well, but they didn't. We the didn't know that. that. Yeah. They didn't know that. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, I remember, well, I know, I know Einstein in his theory of general relativity and when, when he was at the peak of his career in his academics, and he postulated a theory of gravitational waves. Now, he talked about this at a point where there was no way to prove if that was true or not. And I remember while I was in, in college a couple of years ago, they, they discovered them. Well, they, not they, only that, the proof was discovered 10 kilometers, <laughs> 6 miles from where we are. That's true. That's right. It was the Neutrino Observatory. It was the Neutrino Observatory. <laughs> that's so right. those who know where that's located, yeah. you know where we are. <laughs> uh, and, and it was. It was. And, and, a, and a fine, fine Canadian physicist yeah. got the Nobel Prize in 2016 for that yeah, discovery. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I play trumpet in two community bands with uh, some individuals who work at the said Neutrino <laughs> Observatory. So it's pretty cool. But, uh, but. The whole thing I was getting at was that he postulated these theories back in the 1930s or 1940s, and then it was 2015 where they went, oh, son of a gun, he was right. That's the same with the neutrinos. They <laughs> yeah, had been postulated for decades before we had equipment that was sensitive enough and had the energy yeah. capacity to smash 
uh, down to the level where the neutrons could be detected. I remember when I was in studying classical history in university, and I was and I read a, a, a work. I can't remember what it was, but I was astonished because it was an ancient Greek philosopher from three three hundred BC or something like that, who was postulating modern atomic theory who was talking about how everything is made up of these tiny indivisible things or these tiny things that we can't see with the naked eye. And it even mentioned energy not being destroyed or created, only transferred. I mean, I'm putting modern words onto it, but I'm reading this going, he's he's just guessing and postulating some theories that how he thinks it works. But now we know, yeah, that's exactly how it works. That's, that's modern laws of thermodynamics. It's modern atomic laws. You know, I wonder whether that phrase, if you change one word, would would fill out, flesh out the instruction. Instead of okay. small opportunities, but small discoveries, there you could go. also be fitted in there in a way. I, I recognize I don't want to put words in Damascus' mouth, yeah. but the fact is that sometimes small discoveries, in time, expand out to such a you know a remarkable impact. I, I mean, really, agriculture. Let's go back to the one of the earliest fire and agriculture. Yeah, they've discovered. They set us on this whole experiment in civilization. Yeah. Someone discovered fire thousands of years ago, and as a result of that, now, today, I have a credit score. <laughs> <laughs> Enough dominoes fell in the meantime. Uh, no, oh, boy. That's, there's, that'd be interesting. That's like a, that's like a uh, evolutionary process. That yeah. if you t- Technically, if you're following evolution... You can trace your ancestry all the way back to three billion years ago to an amoeba. <laughs> yep. You know, something uh, microbe. Yeah. Now, that doesn't sound very glamorous. Great granddad <laughs> wasn't much. <laughs> I remember hearing a, a pop song, just a joke song, was yeah. called Great Granddad Was an Amoeba. That's oh, why it came to mind here. Oh, my. But, uh, okay. <laughs> well, right, the our... last one. All right, so our last one here. So, sticking with ancient Greece, this is from Plato. Um, better a little which is done well than a great deal done imperfectly. <laughs> That's Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think the Hollywood's the other way around. Oh, well, yeah. See, I, I really I really like this one because it reminded me of a conversation I had with a coworker of mine just last week where I was learning a new a new skill at work. And so obviously there's going to be some hiccups along the way and there's going to be some things I'm uncertain about. And he instructed me if you're unsure about it, just set it aside and ask for my help when I'm available because I would rather that it's not done at all than it be done improperly oh, and yeah, then the having compli- to fix yeah, it, right? Complications. So, so that, that was what immediately made me think of that. So, yeah, just very relevant for me anyway, just in the, in the last week. Well, you know, I know my dad always said, uh, and I got the, he got the phrase from someone else, every mistake costs money. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's kind of the corollary of what Plato said, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you make things haste and you create a waste, it's always going to cost you something. Yeah. And in many cases, costs you more than if you hadn't completed the full thing but got the part you can get done done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this full, you know, Plato, wise guy. We oh, still yeah. quote him these days. Of course. This is an interesting point because I'm sure he saw that. I mean, he lived through some tumultuous times. Uh, in ancient Greece, the environment, and he was aware of, you know, a, a rash to the Peloponnesian War that didn't warrant a rash to the invasion of Sicily, yep. that uh, and Syracuse that didn't warrant, and things that were done 
at Hayes, so it probably made sense for him. I mean, certainly Thucydides comments about that in his book. Uh, and I mean, I, the, the whole story of the Peloponnesian War is a allegory, this is my interpretation, yep. an allegory of being unprepared, rash, uh, and uh, trying to get everything done perfectly before you went on, rather than getting something done well, yeah. and that you could reference it. It and didn't help that they had a plague. I mean, that, yeah, that that threw a real wrench into the whole yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, I just I I really really do believe that. And and let's be honest, even in looking at little things here and there, how many people you know the two of us are listeners. I'm sure everyone everyone who's listening to this podcast can think of a time where they decided they were going to hurry and something went wrong. Oh, no, that never happened and, to me. Oh, <laughs> you're a better man than me. Oh, Gordon. no, of oh, no, You're a dirty liar. No, that's what that that's what I am. Like We've, we've all oh, been there. Boy. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you make the mistake, you go, oh, yeah. I should have just taken my time. Like, that's there's always that yeah. reaction. Yeah. Always. And it is true. I mean, many times we have uh, bosses that report to, and yeah. they're expecting expedient. Yeah, it's, it's usually because of some outlying pressure. Yeah, there's right? an outlying one. So. Most of us, I don't know. That'd be interesting for our listeners to think. How often do you feel compelled to rush on something, any kind of a uh, chore or, or a responsibility, or how often you feel compelled mm-hmm. to rush, and then you get yourself in more more trouble. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm at a point in my life now where there I've I'm you confident. just don't care yeah yeah pretty much like or I'm I'm confident enough in myself where I I have a pretty firm understanding or, or in the areas where I have a firm understanding where I I will stand my ground and no this is going to take longer than you want it to and it's because I'm doing it properly where I've I've been I've gotten into some disagreements with some employers <laughs> well i've done that but. i know my dear wife has often comments of getting into your 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 zen zone yeah where you just go <gasps> take a deep breath yeah let it out and just go i'm not gonna worry yeah it'll get done there you go and we'll get it done well there you go because then i don't have to do it twice <laughs> and right all right well, uh, well that's a, that's, that's, that's it. fun to have the, the, another episode of uh, uh Quotes and answers. Yeah, and those were some good ones. We we had a chance to work with. Mm-hmm. They are challenging because every time we refer to these ancient uh, uh, thinkers, we uh, we recognize that they they create us some thoughts in us. Yeah, yeah. Like well, it's all open to interpretation, right? Exactly. So. Well, everybody who listens, we appreciate it. We hope you visit our social media sites and uh, leave us your comments. And we always appreciate your feedback in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been listening to another episode of Ancient Answers, where we did quotes and answers. Uh, I'm Gordon. And I'm Shane. And we hope that you have a great day. Look forward to sending more episodes soon. <laughs>